Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Good Rush Nation, welcome into episode 85 of the Five Yard College podcast. First off, apologies, there was no episode last week. Uh, work and home life got in the way of myself and stocks, so we weren't able to get any recordings done. You may notice, well, if you're watching the video, you may notice, obviously on the audio you wouldn't, but there is no stocks tonight, unfortunately. He has come down with the dreaded COVID. Wish all the best to stocks and hope for a speedy recovery. I am riding solo tonight on the pod, and we're going to be going over the latest news from the last couple of weeks. So it hasn't been a great deal, as obviously we are in the uh, the quiet time of the season now before the build-up to the NFL draft. And speaking of the NFL draft, we're going to be going over the 2022 quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks that are going to be in the draft class. Some of their pros, some of their cons, some of their stats from their um, co- college careers, and uh, a, a breakdown of those players so we're going to be in for a good one. Not sure on the on the length of time, but we'll uh, we'll keep it going as, as long as we can without overdoing it. I'll try to get you all the important information that you need for these guys, what to look out for, what to pay attention for, and and where they're going to go in the draft. In, in, at least in my opinion, and uh, and in the opinion of some of the other lads in the in the in the college family. First off, though, as always, we're going to get onto the news. First bit of news is in relation to the college football playoffs. The CFB have announced that four teams, the fourteen playoffs, will continue for the next four years until the twenty twenty five season. This, the College Football Playoff Management Committee, will look for a new arrangement that will take over in twenty six twenty seven season when its current twelve year contract expires. Obviously, there was some talk earlier last year, leading up to the end of this season, of a potential increase to a twelve team playoff. That was given to the committee management team with approval from the from uh, from most of the programs and obviously the um the relative uh, leagues and the the divisions and conferences unfortunately the college football management couldn't come to an agreement and they decided to stick with the current four team playoff structure at least for the next four years and then they're going to reevaluate the 12 team format maybe something different we don't know we've obviously got another few years of the uh, the 14 playoffs to go now which I think is a shame because obviously, as we've mentioned many a times before, it does limit the participation of some teams. But then on the flip side, you are looking at the, I say the top four teams in the country. The top four teams in the country based on a panel of 
of the college football playoff committee. So the the playoffs are a touchy subject. They have been since they came into a play. 2004, I believe, was the first integration, possibly 2006. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they've always been a touchy subject. And unfortunately, we will be seeing the four years continue for the next, uh, the four teams continue for the next four years. On to a couple of coaching news and its extensions for two of the big winners from last season, the first being Michigan. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have announced a new five-year extension, which will see his contract carry on until the 2026 season. The new contract amends last season's previous agreement in which Harbaugh took a pay cut before guiding Michigan to their most successful campaign under him. So in the grand scheme of things, it is only a one-year extension on last year's deal. However, they've increased his money back up. They've added bonuses. They basically rewarded him for the season he had after the reduced contract to to keep him in last year it's a massive turnaround for Harbour and for Michigan obviously they had an incredible 21 to 22 season Harbour was touted by the NFL and the Vikings in particular but he's decided to stay at Michigan and now he's been rewarded with a with a contract extension Another successful team from 2021-22 and another playoff team Cincinnati Bearcats they and head coach Luke Fickle have agreed a new five million per year extension, which will run until the 2028 season, following the historic year that the Bearcats had. Of course, they become the first group of five team to make the playoffs before being knocked out by Alabama. And Fickle himself was named coach of the year for the 2021-2022 season. So again, a massive reward for, for Fickle and a massive boost for Cincinnati to keep their head coach in, who's done wonders for this program since he came in to become their new coach. And last but not least, a bit of player news here. Another transfer portal entry, which is obviously unsurprising with the time of year that we're in and the uncertainty around some programs. Arizona State quarterback Jaden Daniels is reportedly entering the transfer portal. Daniels announced in December that he will be skipping the 2022 draft to return for his final year at Arizona State. That, of course, is no longer the case. He will be entering the transfer portal, looking for a new team for his final year. There's been a lot going on in Arizona State um, in the offseason with a mass exodus of coaches in regards to the recruitment violations that are, that are bouncing about and the investigations that are ongoing around there. And, of, of course, now Jaden Daniels, their starting quarterback, who's had a very up-and-down career for, for Arizona State, it has to be said, but he will be a big loss, is uh, is moving on potentially. Obviously, only entering the, the transfer portal, so it isn't 100% that he will leave. But if any of you are on Twitter and saw the video of some of his current Arizona State players when he was empty in his locker, he was not given a warm reception. He was goaded and uh, insulted, the the fact that he is uh, that he is leaving, so I think he has burnt his bridges with Arizona State. There's still some programs out there that are looking for a new quarterback, and Jaden Daniels is a capable quarterback as long as he can get that consistency down and stay fit for his final year. And that rounds up for the news. As I said, it's been a quiet few weeks since the since the playoff final, uh, the, the the national championship. Sorry which is to be expected. It always happens. We have a couple of weeks, a few weeks before the build-up of the NFL draft really kicks in and we have the pro days and the combine. Of course, we had the senior bowls a couple, uh, and the bowls a couple of weeks ago. We're in that quiet period now um, and expect a similar scenario next week with the news. But we want to get on to the, the juicy part of the podcast today, and that is the 2022 quarterbacks. There are seven that I would say need, that we need to be paying attention to. The first of those being Matt Corral. This is in alphabetical order. This is not in any particular order of how we feel these quarterbacks are ranked. Obviously, if you want to know our rankings, go and take a look at the top 100 and go and listen back to the top 100 podcast. But this is the seven quarterbacks that I feel and that we feel have the best chance of being drafted in the NFL draft. Matt Corral is up first. He played for Ole Miss. 6'1", 205 pounds, and is a junior. He played for four years at Ole Miss. His first year, freshman year, 2018, he only appeared in four games. He was a backup for, for that season. 22 completions, 
sorry, 16 completions, 239 passing yards, two touchdowns to one interception. And then from there, he won the starting job in 2019 and he held on to it until this year when he has obviously left the program. 2019, played 10, 1,362 passing yards. Sorry, 2019, he wasn't a starter. He was a backup, but had, had a lot of work because of injuries and rotation. Um, you can see from his attempts, 178 to the next couple of years, uh, that the that the work was split for his uh, his 2019 season. But passing yards, 1,362, six touchdowns, three interceptions. He also got one rushing touchdown, which we'll get onto a little bit later when we talk about his um, athleticism. 2020, his first real year as the, the bona fide starter at Ole Miss, 10 games, 3,337 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He had a 70.9% passer rating. He also went for 506 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. And then, of course, this year, the big year for Corral, 2021, he played 13 games, 3,343 passing yards, 20 touchdowns to five interceptions, 67.7% passer rating, 614 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns, which was massive for him this year. Now, a few strengths for Matt Corral. I think first things first for him is his running ability. He is athletic. He is one of the more athletic guys in the in the uh, in the draft this year. Surprisingly so when you look at him, but he uh, he's a tough runner as well. He will make contact. He's not afraid to take contact from a defender. He's mobile inside and outside of the pocket. He can extend plays and he's also got the arm to throw on the run as well, which some of these guys don't have. He releases the ball quick from the pass. His decision-making improved drastically in 2021. It was a major concern in 2020, his decision-making. Some of the passes he was making were, uh, and some of the runs he was trying to make were, were, were suspect and left Ole Miss and the offense in a lot of trouble. That was a big thing that people were looking for in 2021 for him to improve on. He did so, and he did so tremendously. A massive, massive improvement. And of course, he is a leader on and off the field. That's one of the things that people talk about when they when they see when they when they when they speak about Matt Corral that know him from the game and that watch his game and, and know him from outside of the game as well. He's one of those players, he's one of those quarterbacks that will pick up his team around him. He'll make them play better. He will expect stuff more from them. He will be a shoulder if they need it. He'll be a leader in the locker room. He's got all the makings of a NFL quarterback from a leadership point of view and from a decision-making point of view. Some of the weaknesses with Matt Corral, however, the the first one really that we have to talk about is his ball placement. It can be lacklustre at times. He can miss the mark. He struggles to hit the receivers in their stride to get those yards after catch. So the receivers are having to make those catches either in contest, in the air, or off he goes to the back of them or is slightly is slightly up towards the floor so they have to make that play ball placement is something that he needs to improve on he also struggles on the deep ball now he's got a good arm for the passes however his strength is not the best so he struggles to get the ball to the receiver on those deep balls he can also be inconsistent at times um, i mentioned about his running ability there are occasions where he will decide to get the ball and run when there is still a play to be made. And that does come down to the type of offense that um, Ole Miss played. They played an RPO offense, which meant limited reads for Corral. The, the, the plays were designed every time. There was a wide receiver, a tight end, or a running back, or a run play in mind. And he rarely had to audible. He rarely had to go to a second read. So not only does that obviously impact his his decision making overall, but also his experience in reading coverage, reading the different defenses is going to be something that he has to learn quickly in the NFL if he wants to succeed because of this RPO offense that was run with Ole Miss. You've also got to take into account the amount of contact that he takes. As I said, he likes to run with a ball. 
He likes to make contact and be physically tough against defenders rather than sliding and picking up those yardages. He'll always look for the extra, as if you would see from a running back. That has caused him to miss time through injuries in his career. However, he does have the toughness and the physicality to take that hit. Those hits in the college game, the NFL could be a different story. Obviously, we know we know the NFL defenders are a different caliber. He's going to have to learn to protect himself or he is going to get hurt. For me, Corral does have all of the makings of a starting quarterback from the outset. Those issues that he's got, I believe, can be worked on. The, the arm strength is always going to be a concern. There is certain things he can do to improve that, to make those deep balls. And he does make deep balls. If you watch his tape, he does make those plays. But there are times where it just doesn't go far enough. And again, it comes down to that yard after catch for the receiver. More often than not, when Corral's throwing a deep ball in particular, it's hitting the def- it's hitting the wide receiver or the tight end, whoever it may be, it's hitting them and they're having to make that play. There isn't a chance for them to, to get the ball and then and then continue running. It's in their lap rather than in the basket in front of them where you typically want it. All that being said, though, Corral is one of the top quarterbacks in this class. He's one of the he's one of the quarterbacks that people are speaking about as coming first off the board. And for me, I think there is a, a really strong possibility of that. He's easily a first round quarterback. I would say I, I would say he will be a top 20 quarterback. There are of course quarterback needy teams in the NFL draft this year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see someone going up to top 15, top 10 potentially for Matt Corral. Next up on the list is Sam Howe. UNC 6'1", £220, and he is also a junior. One less year of experience for Howe. He is um, he he didn't redshirt, so 2019 was, was the first year that he that he had any game time. And he walked he walked into UNC uh, in that year as a starter. 13 games, 3,641 passing yards, 38 touchdowns to seven interceptions. 61.4% pass rating and 35 yards rushing for one touchdown. Limited work in the running game in his first year at UNC. 2020, he went for 3,586 yards, 30 touchdowns to seven interceptions, 68.1% passer rating, 145 rushing yards and five touchdowns. And then this year, his final year, 12 games played, 3,056 rushing yard, uh, passing yards, 24 touchdowns to nine interceptions, 62.5% passer rating, 828 yards on the ground for 11 rushing touchdowns. Strengths for Sam Howell first. He's got a big arm that can make most of those deep throws. He's got a he's got a he's got a powerful arm on him for for a, for a six foot one guy, which is which is a positive to see. You you regularly see him make them deep throw passes, in particular last year when he had those weapons that that made those deep runs how more often than not was able to hit them. Much like Corral, he is a, a he is a good runner. He isn't as athletic as, as Corral by any means, but again, he's a tough runner. He's not scared to run at the defenders and to make contact and make someone bring him down, which is something that you do love to see from quarterbacks to a certain extent. He's also got solid footwork inside the pocket. He regularly makes his own space. He it allows him to be more accurate with the ball with his with his foot placement, and and you rarely see him off balance, which allows him obviously, as I say, to be more accurate when he's when he's throwing the ball and also releasing it quickly. And he can move he can move in and out of the pocket and get out if needs be. Now I mentioned about him being able to make those deep throws. There are occasions when you watch how that he forces the ball. He'll force throws to uh, receivers that are not necessarily open and expect them to to make the ball. Now, it's great for his arm talent. It shows that he can make all of those passes, but his decision-making then comes into question because he's putting it into areas where he really shouldn't and the receivers are going to have to be incredibly fortunate or work extremely hard to get the ball. And there are occasions where there are easier passes available to him, but he is still going to force the ball to a receiver when really he shouldn't. I mentioned his footwork allowing him to move around the pocket, but 
what I have seen on video from him in the last two years, this year in particular, where, yes, he wasn't behind the best offensive line, but he does lack pocket awareness at times. There are occasions where he gets so so zoned into his read and to, to his receivers and the offensive play that he just almost disregards the defensive line and the pocket collapsing around him, which then puts him into trouble. It then obviously puts him into a danger of being hurt, which is what we want, which we never want to see. But of course, it also then affects the play. I mentioned about him being a tough runner. That is granted. He is a tough runner. He can make plays with his feet, but he is not the most athletic. He can't beat a man for pace. He will be, he'll beat a man by running at them, which obviously, as I mentioned with Corral, can be an issue. So his athleticism is 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 not the best outside of obviously his his arm. You've also got his when he does escape from the pocket, when he when he does make those runs and the player is still alive to, pl- to pass the ball, he's not great throwing on the run, which with a player, with a quarterback like Howell that's not got the best pocket awareness, if you are having to escape the pocket and, and keep the player alive, in the NFL, defenders are going to eat that up. If you are inaccurate on your on the throws on the run, you are going to get eaten, get eaten, apart, eaten alive by the, uh, by the NFL secondaries. One thing I've got to mention on the strength, sorry, is his um, experience. He is a team leader, much like Corral. He played 37 games in college, which is a massive amount. And it is a recurring theme as we get down a lot of these quarterbacks this year, which is good to see. Last but not least on the weaknesses, I mentioned about 2021 not being a great year for him. That I think that is in largely in part to... The weapons, he lost his weapons this year. The Army Brown obviously went off to the NFL along with both of the running backs. Oh, for the life of me, I can't remember. Uh, Carter and the guy who's gone to Denver. It's going to kill me, I can't remember, because I loved him. And that's it's going gonna, it's gonna to annoy me. I'll remember it when I'm in the middle of speaking about someone else. But yeah, so he lost, he lost a great deal of his weapons in 2021 from the 2020 season. And that did seem to affect him. When he didn't have those favorite weapons around him, those reads that he likes to make, that he liked to make for the last two years, he did seem to struggle a little bit trying to improvise. That is something that you need to be mindful of. If he goes into a team that's struggling for offensive weapons, it may take a little bit of time for him to get used to that. How for me, he how is a difficult one. I think if you take it from last year, he is arguably the number one quarterback in this draft class. But after the year that he's had, where some of his issues and his flaws have started to started to surface, it does make me slightly wary of him. I don't think he's the best in the class com- currently, but he is by certainly he's definitely not the worst. He he is. I would say he's three or four in my opinion, at least anyway. And we do have to take into account the fact that he is still young. He is twenty one years old, which is younger than a, a bunch of these guys. In particular, one who we'll get onto a bit later, but I think Howell is one of the youngest out of all of these. I still think there's a shout that he goes in the first round. If it is, I do believe it will be later, unless there's a team that really like him and go and reach for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he drops down into the early second round. However, this draft class is not the best. There are there are issues with all of these quarterbacks that that you'll hear throughout the rest of this this episode you're going to have to be taking a risk on any of them. I think Howell is one that may be worth taking that risk because he's young. He's still got, he's still got a chance to learn. One thing that for me is critical. And I think it's critical for quite a few of these guys is he has to be given time behind a quarterback. I don't think he's got, he's ready to, to step up and be a day one starter for a team. So and if we see a team take him top 10 because they really like him, that may be well, that may well be what happens, which I don't think will be will be good for his for his long-term career and his potential. Now, moving on to the third quarterback, we've got Kenny Pickett out of Pitt, 6'3, 220 pounds, and he is a senior. Pickett has the most experience out of all of these quarterbacks in this draft class when it comes to the amount of time he spent in college. He is a senior. He's actually been at Pitt for five seasons. 2017 was his first year as a true freshman. He was a backup. He made 509 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception as a backup. He also ran for two touchdowns 
on the ground. 2018, he took over as the starter for Pitt, played 14 games, 1,969 passing yards, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. And again, he ran, sorry, in that year, he ran for three rushing touchdowns and 220 yards on the ground. 2019, 12 games played, 3,098 passing yards, 13 touchdowns to nine interceptions, 61.6% passer rating, 110 yards rushing for two touchdowns. 2020 was, uh, of course, a year where a lot of teams were hit because of COVID. A lot of the conferences were cancelled and postponed because of COVID. In 2020, Pitt and Pickett appeared in nine games. He threw for 2,408 yards. Again, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 61.1% passer rating, 145 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. And then this year, this is the year that he really exploded. 13 games played, 4,319 yards passing, 42 touchdowns to seven interceptions, 67.2% passer rating, 233 yards rushing and five rushing touchdowns. Now, in terms of Pickett's strengths, first and foremost, he is incredibly smart quarterback. He has got high football IQ, which jumps straight off the page when you see him play. He is regularly understanding of all the plays that are going on, of the defensive reads in front of him. You can see that he understands what's going on around him, which is critical for the NFL and to give him a leg up when he eventually gets drafted in April because there are certain quarterbacks in this class in particular that have played in schemes, uh, offensive schemes for their programs that have not had to read defences. Pickett has done limited amount. Obviously, all, all college offences is very limited in the amount of reads and, uh, and, what you, and the audibles that you have to do on the offensive line. But Pickett seems to have an understanding of that already. He's an incredibly experienced quarterback, as I've just read out on the stats. He's been in college the college game for five years, four of those as a starter. He's made 49 starts, which is an extraordinary amount of games to be a starter. You look back at Trubisky in 2017, I believe, or 2016, whenever he was drafted, he only appeared in 16 games. Last year, uh, Lawrence was a starter for a year, two years, I believe. Pickett has got that experience, almost 50 games, 49 starts for, for Pitt. Now, he isn't the most athletic when it comes to using his feet, but he uses his physical abilities well to avoid defenders and to make those extra yardage and to be tough to bring down in the box as well, in, in, the, in the pocket as well. And also, he, he is able to escape the pocket with his feet. And when he does, he is incredibly good at throwing on the run. He can make almost any throw that you want from all sorts of angles, and it's it's great to watch. It's great to be able to see a, a a quarterback that can keep a play alive and then make that and then continue to make that play with your arm when you're on the run or when you've had to escape the pocket. His arm talent is one of the best up there in this draft class, and um, and so is his experience. However, a weakness also in line with that experience is the limited production outside of this season. This year was his one good year that he's really had at Pitt. You look back at the last few years, 2,400 in the, in the 2020 season with, that was impacted, just over 3,000 yards, but he's throwing nine touchdowns, nine interceptions to 13 touchdowns in each of those seasons. This year is the first big year that he's had. It's the first high production, impressive year that we've seen. Is he a one-season wonder that's going to fly up the draft boards because of one year? Potentially. However, I think what we've seen from him should really counteract that. It doesn't look like he's going to be a one-and-done quarterback on the on the face of it. I think once he gets to the NFL is, is obviously where it's going to be telling. But yes, he's had experience, but 2021 is the only year that he's had real production. Another concern... Um, more so for, well, definitely for the NFL, is his hand size. He's got particularly small hands, um, just over eight inches, which, to put that into perspective, 
I think the NFL want a minimum of nine inch hand size for a quarterback. Joe Burrows are nine inches, and that was something that was spoken about when he was drafted. Of course, went to the Super Bowl means nothing, but it is something that you need to take into account. I think when he's drafted, he's going to have one of the smallest hands that, that that's been seen by a quarterback. Michael Vick was eight and a half inches. I believe it was Michael Vick. Sorry, let me go back to look at my notes. Yes, Michael Vick's hands were eight and a half inches, and that was, again, considered small. It, obviously, the the issue with small hands as a quarterback is is not being able to hold on to the ball when you're when you're when you're setting yourself and when you're running not having as good a grip it it, it can be knocked out easier i don't think we've really seen that from pickett in his in his college game i haven't seen many times where he's struggled to hold on to the ball i don't think that's going to be a real concern but it's something that's looked at at the combine and looked at at the nfl so it is something that we have to take into consideration and i that's that's about it sorry the other thing i wanted to mention older quarterback he's going to be 24 before the rookie season starts and he's had one year of production that's always a concern obviously longevity of quarterbacks at the nfl is significantly more than any other position but being an older player that's had a bunch of experience and only one good year is a lot of his product is is this him is what's the potential that he's still got to improve i do see a lot of good things from him though he has got the arm talent he has relatively good speeds not electric but can make but can make plays I'm impressed with the the passes that he's able to make on the run in the pocket and when he's scrambling. He is flying up draft boards because of the season that he's had and some and some of the games that he's shown out. And I do think he will be a first round pick and for that matter I do think he's going to be a high first round pick. I think it's it's out of Pickett, Corral and um Willis who we'll get onto a bit later for the first quarterback off the board. So I do fully expect him to be a first round pick, but I do think there is, I think he's got a low ceiling, high floor. I think there's enough in his game to be capable as a quarterback, but at the same time, as it stands, I can't really see him lighting the world up, which could work for certain for certain teams if they've got players around them that just need, a, need one of those quarterbacks that can get the job done, make the passes, make the plays, read the, the, the defence. It could work, but just the, he's a first rounder for me based on what I've seen. But I do think that his ceiling is relatively capped on what on what we should expect to see from him. Next up, one of my favorites from last year, and he continues to be one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft class, is Desmond Ritter, set from Cincinnati, 6'4, 215 pounds, and another senior. Another player who's had a bunch of experience, 49 games played. He started in 2018, 13 games, 2,445 yards passing, 20 touchdowns to five interceptions, 62.4% passer rating, 583 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. 2019, and 13 games played, 2,164 passing yards, 18 touchdowns to nine interceptions, 55.1% passer rating, 650 yards on the ground and five rushing touchdowns. 2020, the year that people started to pay attention to Ridder, 10 games played, 2,296 passing yards, 19 touchdowns to six interceptions, 66.2% passer rating, 592 yards rushing and 12 rushing touchdowns. And of course, this year, he got them to the playoffs. He went for 3,334 passing yards, 30 touchdowns to eight interceptions, 64.9% passer rating, 355 rushing yards and six touchdowns in 14 games. Now, first things first for me on Desmond Ridder is his arm strength. This guy has got an incredible arm when it comes to making those throws. He can he can make any throw you want deep ball wise. He can he you look back at his time at Cincinnati, he regularly makes those deep plays. But not only has he got that arm strength, I would say he's probably I'd say he's probably got the strongest, maybe second strongest arm in this draft class. But he is also accurate. As I said, he can find those deep balls, but he's also accurate in the intermediate and the short, the short throws. 
So he is not just a gunslinger that's going to hoof it 60 yards and be really inaccurate. He does have that accuracy. He's also an incredibly intelligent quarterback. He's got great pocket awareness. Unlike Howell, he he can regularly indicate, he can see when the pocket is collapsing, when he needs to make the play with his feet. Because again, um, he is a, a dual threat quarterback. Not quite to the caliber of Jackson. No one in this draft class is. There is one guy who I'd say is close. And then you've got Ritter who is next up on that. But Ritter is a dual threat quarterback. He's quick. He's mobile. He's tough. He can make a defender miss or he can go through a defender if he wants to. And it's a massive bonus to have for a quarterback this day, this 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 age with a that is a dual threat. And again, like Pickett, incredibly experienced. He's played in 49 games in his career for Cincinnati. However, on the weakness side, he has played against lesser opponents with an incredibly talented team. He is, of course, at Cincinnati, which is a group of five. He's outside of the Power Five, so he's been coming up against lesser competition. He's had a case, he's had games against Power Five teams. We've seen it. They Cincinnati went unbeaten until the until the playoffs, where they lost to Alabama, and and they didn't get destroyed by Alabama in the playoffs. They obviously Alabama won it comfortably in the end, in the grand scheme of things. But Cincinnati competed, and Ridder competed, but. The argument is going to be there that he has played lesser opponents throughout much of his time at Cincinnati. He is also inconsistent at times with his decision-making. He can trust his arm a bit too much and he puts the ball into harm's way. What I mean by that is he'll go for those passes that aren't necessarily there. They may not have developed or there could be a defender that's maybe on double coverage or is not running the route as he should have done. He'll still go for those balls. He'll still go for those passes because he's that confident in his own ability to make those plays. Now, there are times where it comes off and it's spectacular, but there are also times where he's given up an easy interception or the, the play's gone dead because the, the defenders blocked it or the receivers missed it because they weren't ready. So he just needs to improve that decision-making if he's going to succeed at the next level. He does also stay in the pocket a hell of a lot. I mentioned his pocket awareness. He's incredibly he's incredibly smart when it comes to his pocket awareness. But I do think there are times where he does stay in the pocket too much and he'll drop deeper instead of drifting out wide and away from the defenders to make a play where the, the smarter decision at, the, at that point is to break out and make a play away from the defenders. He'll continue to drop. And again, probably comes down to the, the confidence he has in his arm strength to make those plays, regardless of how deep he has to drop. He does also put the ball behind the receiver a bit too much. So again, like we spoke about with, like we spoke about with, who was it? Um, Howell. He'll, he'll put the ball behind the defender, which then obviously results in them not being able to get those yards after the catch. And um, obviously that can, that can harm an offense if they uh, if they're not getting the the yards after the catch, which is obviously a massive part of it, so he does need to improve on that. I would say that's that's about it realistically for for Desmond Ritter. That that's the main the main weaknesses that I've seen. I think he's got all of the makings of a, of a quarterback that that can thrive in the NFL. He's got incredible arm strength and talent making the passes. He's he's very athletic. He is, as I said earlier, a dual threat. And I do think he can succeed. And I do think he will potentially, regardless of where he is drafted, fight for the starting starting role from day one. In terms of draft projection, me personally, I still do have him as a first round. But I think if I'm being realistic, if I take away my fanfare for him, we're probably looking at an early day two pick. Second round, potentially early third. I'd be surprised if he drops out of the second round. But if I'm looking at it overall, I would say at this present moment in time, we are probably looking at a second round player. And it could be a high second round. It could be one of those teams that, that may well need a quarterback, but don't want to reach or 
take a quarterback in the first round, a la Detroit Lions. Of course, they've got high draft pick, and but they, they can potentially get away with taking Kayvon Fibido early and then getting Desmond Ritter with their second round pick, early second round pick. The Atlanta Falcons could take him with their first or second round pick, and then he's got Matt Ryan to sit behind. I think you're going to be, I think Ritter can achieve no matter where he sits, whether he sits behind someone from a year is obviously going to be a bonus to iron out some of those issues. Or if he is put into somewhere where he's expected to be the day one starter or compete for the day one starter, I don't think that's necessarily going to be a bad thing. We're always going to have to go back on that he's playing against less competition. So the NFL could ex- expose more flaws from him, but I'm confident in his ability that he already has and the potential that he that he has as well. That I, I do think he, he may well be a steal in the draft, even if he goes early second. Next up is Carson Strong out of Nevada. He is 6'4", 215 pounds and a junior. He's had three years experience as a starter for Nevada. He played in 10 games in 2019 for 2,335 yards, 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions, 63.4% passer rating. I won't go into the rushing and you'll hear why later. 2020, nine games played, 2,858 yards, 27 touchdowns to four interceptions and a 70.1% passer rating. And 2020, 12 games played, 4,186 yards passing, 300, sorry, 36 touchdowns to eight interceptions and a 70.2% passer rating. Now, I'm going to, before I get onto the strengths, I'm going to go onto a weakness because I mentioned it that we didn't talk about the rushing yards. And that's because there are no rushing yards for Carson Strong. So much so that he is, this year, he was minus 208 rushing yards. Strong is not mobile. He struggles to move around and create space on the outside. Now, that doesn't mean he struggles in the pocket because he doesn't. He's got a very good pocket presence and ability to play inside the pocket. But you can't ask this man to run. He just can't do it. He does. He's made plays at times and he has scored touchdowns, but he's just he just doesn't he doesn't run with the ball. And when he does, it's usually on a sneak or it's usually on a scramble and that doesn't go go for anything. He's sacked. The ball goes for goes out for um, an incomplete ball or he loses yardage on the run. He's just not mobile when it comes to running with the ball. So do not expect that from him. He is a pocket pass quarterback without a doubt. Now, strength-wise, though, then that reads into his main strength, which is his arm and his accuracy. He regularly hits those tight window throws. He's got he's got enough strength to, to hit pretty much any throw you ask for outside of deep balls. You look at some of the highlights of him and you see a lot of deep balls, but then you look at the stats and he has thrown an incredible amount of deep balls in his time at Nevada but there he is relatively inaccurate on those. So deep ball wise, it is something that he'll need to work on, but he does have, have the arm strength to, to make those throws. He just needs to increase, improve the accuracy on the deep ball. Short and intermediate, he's quite, he's solid. He regularly hits the, as I said, he regularly hits the tight window passes that you want to see the open man. And uh, he, he does make it look easy at times. He is a very well-sized quarterback Obviously, unfortunately, he doesn't have the running game to to add into that, like you see with a Dak Prescott for. But he is a well-built quarterback along the same sort of lines as Roethlisberger. At least Roethlisberger later in his career. You don't expect him to do much with the ball when he's running, but when it's in his hands, he can make all the plays, find the receivers and, and get those passing touchdowns. That is the sort of quarterback that Carson Strong is. As I mentioned earlier, he's got great pocket presence and awareness when he's inside the pocket. He gets he's he's quick with his release. He's decisive when he's making his throws. I think overall, Carson Strong is a solid, solid quarterback that 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 has room to improve. If you want a pocket passer, a negative, uh, as well as the inaccuracy on the deep balls and him not being mobile. Is unfortunately he has been dealing with a chronic knee injury for the last two seasons, I believe, maybe longer. That is a that is a long-term concern for him. How long is he gonna have on that knee if he can't stay healthy? But I do think the 
I do think the ability is there. I do think there is potential for for him to succeed. He is a, as I said, a pocket passer. He's a prototypical quarterback. He's a quarterback that people would have loved to have seen four or five years ago, and that do that do perform well in the NFL now. That, that that don't necessarily run. You don't need to run to be a good quarterback, but that and that isn't Strong's game. As long as he goes to a team that understands that and don't expect that from him and allow the ball to be in his hands and make those plays, then I, I think Strong Strong could have a good a very good career in the NFL. Landing spot's going to be a big one for him, but I do think he again can compete day one as a, to be a starter depending on on the offense that he is put behind. In terms of draft projection, realistically, day two pick, probably if I was going to say anything, it would be third rounds. Maybe maybe squeak into the second rounds. I did have a first round grade on him last year. I have tempered that expectation somewhat. I would say second to third round currently. I think Pro Day and the Combine could be a massive plus for Carson Strong because he didn't have a very good senior bowl. I haven't mentioned that about any of the other guys yet, but Strong in particular from the quarterbacks at the senior bowl really didn't impress. So that has unfortunately hampered some of his draft projection and his draft stock. Next up, probably one of the most exciting quarterbacks in this draft class is Malik Willis. Now, first thing to note about Malik Willis is he spent two years at Auburn as the backup and had very limited snaps, so much so that they aren't worth mentioning. He then had to sit out in 2019 due to his transfer to Liberty. That was before they scrapped the um, not having to sit out. So so Willis lost a year of playing at Liberty. So he has played two full seasons for Liberty. 2020, he played 10 games for 2,250 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. 64.2% 64.2% passer rating, 944 yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. And then this year, 13 games played, 280, sorry, 2,857 passing yards, 27 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, 61.1% passer rating, 878 rushing yards for 13 touchdowns. Now, first thing that obviously jumps out to you there is the run game. Malik Willis is a dual threat, extremely, extremely athletic quarterback. He can do everything with his arm just as well with his legs, if not better sometimes with his legs. In the essence of Lamar Jackson, I don't think he is quite on that level running-wise as Lamar Jackson, but I don't think he's far off. And he's also then got the size as well. He's only 6'1", but he's 215 pounds. He's well-built, and he's well-built and a runner. He is, as I said incredibly elusive he's quick on the turn he makes defenders miss he's elusive inside the pocket as well he can make defenders miss inside the pocket escape out and then he's gone he has got as i say top end speed i'll be interested to see what he clocks on his 40 time i know 40 times are given a lot of hype and and not a lot of people like that but i am interested to see how malik willis stacks up against someone like lamar jackson in terms of speed because as I say, when he gets out, when he is on a designed run or he escapes the pocket and runs with his feet, man, this kid is lightning quick. He really is. And on the flip, and on, on, on top of that, he is hard to bring down. He is a tough runner as much as he is a quick and explosive runner. He will regularly make extra yardage. Now, again, in the NFL, that could be an issue because the NFL defenders, they will hit you. And it could hurt him, but I do think he has got he's got everything in his locker to be a bona fide dual threat quarterback. His arm strength is, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions, the best in this draft class. I would say he's bordering on elite arm strength already. He's he's the the zip, the power that he gets behind the ball is incredible. He can throw the deep balls like a like a rocket. He can, he regularly hits it between the numbers of his defenders, or, or, sorry, of his receivers. Incredible, incredible arm strength. It's it's brilliant. And he can also throw on the run, as you'd probably expect a dual threat quarterback to be able to do. He is very accurate. Well, I say he's not very accurate on the run, but he can, he, he is one of the better for, on the run throwers in this draft class. 
and he's also hyper accurate in a clean pocket. If the pocket stays stays open for him and he can he can make he can make a throw, he is very, very accurate. Now, some of the weaknesses, discipline with his decision making is the key one for me and something that he has to learn quickly. The, when I when I say that, and again, I'm coming back to Lamar Jackson. The comparison to Lamar Jackson is significant for me with Malik Willis, but Willis has a better arm for a college level at least. He will look to run when the pass is the easier option. He seems to be wanting to run almost all the time. So that is something that he is going to have to learn, his decision-making, making those throws when they're open on those design plays and not use your feet because I think if he relies too much on his legs, I know it's difficult to say, but that could hamper his hamper his overall production at the NFL level. He also looks to get the ball to a receiver when they're technically not open, much like Desmond Ritter, who we spoke about earlier. He'll put the ball in harm's way. Malik Willis also does that. He will try and put a ball into a, a, a receiver regardless of what's going on around them. He's that confident in his own ability, in his arm, which, as I say, elite level arm. But he's that confident in it that he'll put it where it's supposed to be on the designed run, regardless of what's going on with the receiver, which, of course, at times will has has impacted him significantly. As, as I said, as you saw with the, the 12 interceptions this year in particular, there are at times when he is under pressure that his accuracy does take a, does take a hit which I would say it shouldn't be surprising, but another another negative that I have is that he's not faced top tier of competition. So him being inaccurate under pressure against these sort of offenses, uh, the defenses that he's played, it does concern me somewhat for the next level when he faces the NFL defenses. And as I say, top he hasn't faced top tier competition with Liberty. He's played a few power five teams this year and in 2020, but that is a big sticking point for him. Is is he just hasn't had that experience against those those top level those top level teams, and his pocket presence at times as it, it falls in line with the decision making where he's, where he looks to run first, his pocket presence can be lacking at, at times. So that is something that he will need to work on. For me, I mentioned it earlier with Corral, easy Willis is a first round pick. I think there's an argument that he could be the first quarterback off the board because of the potential the high ceiling that this guy has he is he's got all of the talent all of the potential all of the traits that you want from a dual threat quarterback and we've seen how successful they have been a la Lamar Jackson Josh Allen that these quarterbacks that they've been that they've been that successful Willis is incredibly athletic and so good running the ball and having such a good arm Iron out a few of those issues, those issues, the sky is the limit for this kid. That being said, I see him as a top 15, top 10 potentially quarterback. I just want him to see to see him go somewhere where he can sit for a year to get those fundamentals down, to improve that decision making, to improve that po- pocket presence, accuracy under pressure, making those right decisions. If he can iron those out, someone is going to have an absolute winner on their side. But I just need to see that. That that I'd, I'd like to see him sit a year. I don't think it's going to happen. If he goes top 15, top 20, I don't. I can't see it happening. That, that obviously remains to be seen. We have got one more quarterback. I have to mention him because of the love that Stocks gives to him. That is Bailey Zapp from Western Kentucky. 6'1", 220 pounds and is a senior. He spent his first four seasons at Houston Baptist, who are an FCS program, before moving to Western Kentucky this in 2021. Um, He followed the offensive coordinator, Zach Kitley, to Western Kentucky from Houston Baptist. Just quickly, his overall stats at Houston were 11,466 yards, 73 touchdowns, 29 interceptions. That was in three seasons. He redshirted his freshman year. And... The season he had this year at Western Kentucky, 14 games, 5,967 yards, a record-breaking 62 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. And he also had three touchdowns on the ground. Everyone knows about those 62 touchdowns for Bailey's app, especially if you listen to the, the pods you do anyway. 
Now, he's a bit a bit more of a wild card, but he has got some very, very good strengths. And to be honest with you, not great, not any any glaring issues. But his strengths, he's an accurate passer, in particular on the short and intermediate. He's able to put the ball into the tight windows on those short and intermediate routes. He releases the ball early. He's got good footwork when he is in the pocket, and he's also a solid runner. Not exceptional, not along the same sort of lines as Willis, but he is he is a solid runner and can use his legs if needed. Some of the weaknesses in his game, the, the one that is glaringly obvious, of course, is the lack of top-level competition, more so than anyone else. He spent four years in the FCS and then only one year with Western Kentucky in, in the FBS. So more so than Willis and more so than Ridder, that lack of top-level competition is not there outside of one year for Bailey Zapp. He also played in an air raid offense at Baptist and at Western Kentucky. So he will need to adjust to, to, to the, the offenses in the NFL, which will be a big adjustment. But we've seen air raid offense quarterbacks adjust quickly when they've reached the NFL. I believe Bailey Zapp can do that. In terms of weaknesses about his game, he does have the arm talent. He's able to make those throws, but he does lack the strength for the true deep balls. He can get the ball deep, but it lacks that power, that zip to get the ball to the defender. So it's sort of almost sat in the air. And then obviously it then becomes a battle for the for the defender and the receiver at that point. He struggles throwing on the run quite considerably. Um, and he also struggles considerably under pressure inside of the pocket. They are some they are some big flaws, but I do think the arm strength is potentially it. That that could be it for him. I think we're always going to see on his long deep balls, they are going to be a bit more floated than 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 zipped for for Zap. But I think the, everything else can be can be improved on outside of outside of that. And of course, obviously, he put record breaking numbers up in in 2021, in particular with those 62 touchdowns, but also over 5,900 yards. And he, as I say, he can run the ball when he needs to as well. I do think still at the moment, we are probably looking at a day three pick. Learn the rope. Mm, yeah, day three pick. I would be surprised if if he becomes a starter. I'd say we're probably more looking at a backup. But there is potential there with him. If he, if he lands in the right spot and gets the right quarterback coach, the right quarterback to sit behind, I do think he has the ability to make to state a claim to be a starter. I just need to see a bit more from him. I think, again, Pro Bowl, Combine are going to be key for him. But I'd be very surprised if we don't see, if, if we see him earlier than a day free pick at this point in time, at least anyway. And that is it. That is all seven of the quarterbacks that I wanted to discuss tonight. These are the seven that I feel like have got a chance to be drafted. There are other quarterbacks in this draft class, of course, but realistically, these are the guys that are going to go either within the first two, three rounds, and obviously Bailey, who I do, uh, Bailey Zap, who, who I do feel has some potential there. These are the only ones really worth talking about and paying attention to at the moment. We mentioned it in the top 100. As it stands, Corral's our number one quarterback. I think. That's still where I am at the moment. The more I watch Malik Willis, the more I am impressed by him. And I do see the incredible potential there. Just it's a bit, it's raw potential. So, but he is slowly climbing. And I think a, a solid pro day and a solid combine, he could well be my number one quarterback personally. And he'll probably be up, he could well be our number one as a, as a whole for five yard college. But that is it. That is the end of the podcast. I hope it, you've enjoyed just listening to me chat on for an hour. It's always difficult with one person, but I tried to get as much information about these quarterbacks to you as I possibly could. We may well have another episode this week to make up for last week, but obviously with stocks being ill, we, we just have to... Uh, if we do, it would be a nice surprise. We're, of course, deep into the NFL drafts here now at five yard college the next podcast will be on the running backs but of course for tonight thank you for listening and saturdays are for rushing too
HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.